This podcast is part of the Deluxe Edition Network. To find other great shows on the network, head over to deluxeeditionnetwork.com. That's deluxeeditionnetwork.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Stephen Jarvis and Friends podcast featuring Mark Bensett Jr. Uh, I'm Stephen Jarvis. That's Mark. And today with us, we have the legendary Tom McLaughlin, who not only directed one of the greatest Friday the 13th movies, but also had an, a lot of other amazing projects. And we'll hear a lot about him tonight on this live stream. Tom, how are you doing today, sir? I think I'm okay. I think I'm okay. We'll see how we do here. <laughs> he's not, hey, he's not floating down the down the road, so that's a good thing. Well, you know, I, I did have to go to the store today, so I actually have the uh, a recreation of the canoe from Friday the 13th. So I canoed my way down the little streets in Burbank here and, uh, you know, got, got my food and you know, canoed back. So, oh, that's cool. Pay off to have you know a canoe, even though you normally drive. But things have changed. <laughs> We're going down. Is all I can say. So enjoy wherever you are. If you're not in California, you're safe. So uh, I know a lot of people want us to ask you about Friday Thirteenth Part Six. So you know what? Let's get into it. Um, your vision for Friday the 13th part six, you wanted to bring Elias in and just tell us how that almost did happen and why it didn't happen. Well, okay. Um, if you want to actually see the, or read the scene that was written for the ending of the movie, uh, it is in the original production. script, And uh, this wonderful guy, Joe Madre did a book, uh, on my life in films about, this has been like three, four years ago, maybe five. Jeez, you know, you lose track of time when you get elderly. Uh, but he included in the back of the book, um, basically, you know, a treatment that had it in there. And then there somewhere, if you go to a convention or whatever where I'm at, I, I do sell that original script um, as well for people that would like to see what was intended. But the idea for me was, I thought, well, watching all of them back to back at Paramount at a screening when I took on the job, I went, you know, what's what hasn't been done that could be still organic, you know, to the original story, because I wanted to not go someplace else, you know, it had to be there at the camp. And what elements hadn't we seen? And it was like children and you know, uh, like an underwater fight, you know, which is, of course, where Jason had drowned as a boy. I tried to take everything that I could see that was a part of the story and do something with it. And then I thought, you know, well, we all know about his mother, but where's dad? What happened with dad? And I, all I really wanted to do was introduce him at the end of the movie so that you go, holy shit, there's his father. Well, <laughs> part of the reason I got the movie was... Um, I met with Frank Mancuso and he said, look, we need to bring back Jason. We screwed up on part five. It wasn't Jason. The fans weren't happy. It ended with the potential that it could be Tommy Jarvis. So we got to just say, Jason is back. Bring him back from the dead. And I said, and? And he says, and whatever else you want to do. 
So I really had a very blessed opportunity to make a Friday that I wanted to see and that had a sense of humor because I definitely, you know, come out of that world of making people laugh as well as trying to scare them along the way. And uh, so other than that, that's all he asked for. So, you know, he'd love the script, except he said, you know what, the ending, um, introducing Jason's father, I think as much as I would like to see you do it and shoot it, I think we wouldn't run it with that. I said, why? This is, I think the fans would love the, you know, after the last one that we ended on Tommy Jarvis and, you know, that confused people that we were going to change up things. What if those same people go, oh no, part seven is going to be Jason's dad. He said, I don't want anybody to think anything more than Jason yeah. has risen, which was the title I had on the script at that time was Jason has risen. And uh, that's it. I mean, you know, he's, he's, He's back. He's unstoppable. Um, you know, I never, ever, ever, guys, hear me again, ever considered him a zombie. But that's sort of the way it's gone down is, you know, well, you like, you know, pre-zombie Jason or you like zombie Jason, you know. But for me, it was like Frankenstein. You know, do we look at Frankenstein as a zombie? No. You know, he was hit with a lightning bolt and comes back. Uh, but I guess it, you know, he, he does fall into certain categories of zombie. And, and one of the things I purposely did is when the sheriff is shooting at him, he brings out a revolver and shoots him directly in the head and he doesn't go down. So no. that theory to me was like, all right, oh, there you go. He's not a zombie. Um, so that that whole thing of losing the dad was I understood it. I was frustrated for years. People, you know, asked about it and stuff. And. The, of course, the other side of all this is, you know, many years later, I get called by, you know, these guys that want to do a fan film mm -hmm. and have Jason's dad be the centerpiece and have C.J. Graham, my Jason, actually play his father. And I said, that's great. And he goes, do you, do you give us your permission? And I said, hey, you know, go for it. I would love to see it. And they go, well, would you do a cameo at the beginning of the movie? with CJ, you know, and in, now you're the caretaker. And I said, well, I can be the caretaker's nephew or, you know, illegitimate son or something. But yeah, <laughs> I would love to act with CJ. And that kind of has become a ongoing thing. If uh, you guys yeah. have seen Vengeance, you know, on there. At the oh, time. yeah. We love them. Yeah. It, it was one. great. Yeah. You know, um, after the lawsuit and all that, not having Jason in our lives for a long time, it was kind of like I told Mark, I said, you know, even if this lawsuit does get over with, is it going to be the same? Is it going to be where we're going to have uh, Victor Miller and Sean Cunningham still fighting? Is it are they going to come together? Are they going to say screw the fans, which we know a lot of Hollywood big shots like uh, Victor Miller and all that. They always look at money more than what the fans like and you know like you said with uh part five they really did shit the bed with uh roy being the killer and all that because we thought well hey you know jason's back and so then finally when part six came out we finally got him back yeah and we thank you a lot for that <laughs> I mean, it could have been interesting to have a, a different Jason or somebody portraying him every time instead of being, but 
again, it didn't work because, you know, the fans wanted Jason. They liked him. Mm-hmm. Well, it's just um, like Halloween 3. Right. They wanted you know, to try Everyone was asking where Michael was at that point. And they thought, well, hey, we blew him up at after the end of part two. What more? To, we want to try something else. And, and that's what Friday the 13th, uh, part five did was they'd wanted to try something else, see if it worked. Well, you build up such a great character. And I'm sure Tom would agree with this. They built up Jason so well over two, three, four, which four was originally supposed to be the ending final chapter. Yeah. But then, you know, we had five and then six finally comes back. And I don't know if I consider him a zombie, like uh, Tom was telling us he he's not really a zombie. It's just, he's hard to die. Yeah. He's just unstoppable, unkillable. You know, there's all kinds of stuff you can do and continue. They, you know, he went through a hell of a lot after mine too. And uh, particularly, you know, uh, what Adam did with, you know, Jason goes to hell. I mean, it's, you kind of run out of, well, do they pick, do people want to see the exact same thing again? Well, Yes and no. I mean, because in a, in a certain way, I thought it was the coolest thing ever when I heard, you know, Jason goes to Manhattan. And I thought, you know, your imagination just goes nuts over how great would that be? Because now he's sort of like in the Michael Myers territory. Yeah. That, you know, except, you know, downtown New York, yeah. all those other things that you could put into it. But I guess when they went for it, they realized there was stuff that they just couldn't do cost-wise and stuff because these things are done for very, very tight budgets. Yeah. So it kind of, you know, became, you know, Jason on a yacht. And that is not bad. You know, I mean, it's, yeah. you know, you're stuck. You can't go anywhere except underwater. Um, yeah. So that I thought was cool. But I think when you had that expectation factor of what was going to happen, and then when they got there, definitely had some, you know, cool moments in there, no question. Um, but it's just, it sort of was that, that you know, what do you expect, and and how yeah. does the film deliver on that? On that, so my feeling has always been: is like, how do you, if you're going to do Alien again, you know, do you go someplace else? As Ridley tried to do, which I didn't think worked as well, purely yeah. because it wasn't claustrophobic. You know, there wasn't that sense that you got no way out here. You know, yeah. big vistas, gorgeous to look at, but it's like run. <laughs> you know? Yeah. You you have nowhere to run on the ship. You can't leave the ship. And where's the alien? And, you know, a lot of sequels miss that. But I think with what you did with part six, brought back what made Jason scary. I think we kind of lost it with part four a little bit because, I mean, you have Trish taking on Jason. And then you have Tommy as a little boy, you know, making himself kind of look like Jason and it was kind of like okay you know and then with part five like we said it was more of a difference of you know this isn't really Jason it's someone else and it it was quite a bit of a shock I'm sure for the people in the theaters then that you know hey it's not really Jason it's someone else and then you get told that Roy lot Roy's son was the one that was killed earlier on in the film, and that he wanted to take spoilers away again. Uh, Please, (laughs) I mean, I was born in the '90s, and I I remember watching this movie when I was seven. (laughs) I I love how you guys see these things so young, and I 
I remember you know, when we when we all were making these monsters of the eighties, we thought we were. I don't want to say we thought we were making dog shit, but we all wanted to be making really cool movies like the seventies, the movies we were mm -hmm. watching as we decided we wanted to be filmmakers. And that was some lofty stuff, you know, with Star Wars and and obviously The Exorcist and and Godfather and I mean all these amazing. Oh, yeah. things. And now you know it's like we we're doing Michael Myers and Jason and Freddy and Pinhead and Chucky and all the, but all of us had to say, well, these are not Dracula and Frankenstein. Yeah, these things are gonna play because that's what would happen is they would open mm -hmm. and all of of us you know horror addicts would go that first weekend and if it was all good we'd tell all of our friends and we'd go back again with them to watch them you know experience well, exactly you know word of mouth helped movies back then it wasn't like you have today with all the commercials for that movie yeah um halloween when it first came out did not do very good but then two critics came out and said this is a scary movie go see it um and, you know, a lot of people say, well, didn't Friday the 13th start the horror thing? And it's like, in some ways, it started the slasher genre where you had to have more kills. You had to have more blood. You had to have more kind of nudity in a way. And you didn't really... yeah, I, I, I boned you guys on that. I apologize. But Darcy said, you know, do you really need me to take off my top? And I said do you not want to? And she said, I kind of don't. And I went, fine. The comedy will actually play better because we're not going to be watching your boobs, but you know, bouncing up and down. <laughs> a fan as I am. I thought, well, I also wrote comedy and that, that I'm just sort of pulling it in both directions. And again, I was going to respect the woman. She didn't want to do it. I wasn't going to force her, but I took all kinds of, you know, heat from, from that, from a lot of the fans. But then over oh, the years, people yeah. go, you, well, you know what? I didn't mind uh, letting my son, who's four years old, see <laughs> Jason lives because there was no nudity in it. It's like, well, well it was up and down. I mean, yeah, like crazy, but that's okay, you know. But you know, don't want don't want him to see breasts, you know, which is yeah. crazy, silly, certainly it, not. That, that used to be my way of that used to be my way of thinking. You know, what what would make a good you know what makes a good horror movie? You know, blood, guts, nudity. But now I've taken, you know, where it doesn't have to be nudity because I've been watching horror movies all day and, you know, only bits and pieces of have nudity in them and some, you know, others didn't. So, I mean, but every time I think of Friday the 13th, I always think uh, that's that always has nudity in it, it seems. And, but, you know, five had a lot uh, part yeah. of that due to the, you know, the director came out of porno. So he was very much wanting to have that element be a very, very strong, you know, part of it. Um, and it wasn't like I was going, well, I'm going to just go the opposite way. It's just me. And it's not even morally. It's just that I wanted to have the equal amount of guys getting it as women. I wanted people to confront him in ways that you think, oh, maybe they got it shot. And they don't because this guy, you know, it's, it's no longer like hitting him and he goes down. You know, it's like <laughs> keep hitting him and he's not going yeah. anywhere. He's going to just keep on coming till he gets, you know, he gets you. But uh, the other big thing I tried to do, and a lot of people I don't know uh, realize this. I've been talking about, of course, for years, but I wanted both of the leads of which Jason now is a lead 
in this. It isn't just Friday the 13th and some guy in a mask killing people. It's Jason. He's got a history. We know about his mom. We know a lot about him. Um, And he was happy down in that grave, done with the pain of having to avenge his mother. And as far as I was concerned, just like all the great monsters, Dracula, you know, spoke of, you know, to be dead, to be really dead would be glorious. Frankenstein said, you know, love dead, hate living. Wolfman, no question. He did not like being the Wolfman. So there's there's that thing. So I thought, well, once Jason is down peaceful, everything's fine. And then this asshole kid who's got a vendetta, you know, comes and doesn't mean to have this happen, but as, you know, Satan or whoever decided to hit him with a lightning bolt, now he's back and unstoppable. And all he wants to do is get this kid and he's pursuing him. And anybody gets in his way, anybody drives down that road and he's looking in the cabin, you know, where is he? Where is he? And he has a little confrontation with the little girl. Again, his agenda is to get Tommy. And Tommy, of course, screwed up big time. And his agenda is, I got to stop this guy before he's killing. And, of course, he's looked at as he's doing it. He's a nutcase. Mm -hmm. And at the end of the movie, you know, both of them are down there with this big confrontation. Who's going to kill who? And Megan saves the day, you know, because she's got, obviously, her heart in this that she wants to save her boyfriend. Um, So, you know, there was more story as, as basic as that is, that I oh, wanted, wanted the movie to have. So it really wasn't just a, a slasher piece. Yeah. It's more a film where hopefully you like the characters. Hopefully they make you laugh. Um, the fact that I was trying to be, you know, irreverent about the whole genre and have character like the caretaker look right in the camera and say, you know, you guys got some weird ideas of entertainment, you know, you know, like strange idea, obviously. Yeah. Um, but I, that's the kind of thing that I... I like when somebody is like including me in yeah. the event. And breaking that, that fourth wall. Yeah. And, and any of the things like, you know, I've seen enough horror movies to know any guy in a mask is never friendly. I mean, yeah. those again, it's for us, you know, for us who love this stuff to, to enjoy it. And I'm telling you, it, it's so weird, man. 36 years later, you know, having guys come up and go, look at this, look at that. And it's like, you know, a scene from my movie, you know, oh, wait, wait, you got to see, you know, and one of the other actors, and it's like, they're wearing this stuff <laughs> until death, you know, with the tattoos and things. And I just think it's amazing, you know, because we, we in the, in the seven, uh, sorry, we in the eighties only wanted to do something like the seventies. And now we're the iconic monster makers. Mm-hmm that period and obviously things are still going on with uh you know the friday movies that are now going to start up and of course you know freddie again i'm sure um you know scream obviously came you know which a little later but still yeah that whole world that that, you know fans still want to keep keep revisiting you know well that's like my dad you know being 65 years old he asked me when the halloween ends came out He's like, why do you still want to watch this? And I said, because, Dad, it doesn't matter how many times they die. It's always going to be a part of. I remember being six years old in 1998 when Halloween H2O came out. And AMC, of course, had to have it on their horror-thon thing. Mm. Well, they played the original one. And the first time I glimpsed that mask. I ran into my bedroom and started crying. Well, 
my brother being my brother and he can deny this all he wants later <laughs> picked me up out of my bed sat me down and sat on me so that i would watch this movie and it took me so many years to finally be able to like sit down and watch the movie because it was that scare factor even yeah. with jason i mean you know these kids nowadays don't understand like back in the 70s you had to one up what the original horror movie or what they considered horror movies. I mean, you had Godzilla, if you can consider that a horror movie. Yeah. It was scary for its time. You had, like you said, Dracula, the Wolfman, Frankenstein. And then, of course, you had the British Hammer films, you know. And then finally in the 70s, we get Black Christmas. We get Texas Chainsaw. Then we finally get what they supposedly considered the first ever horror movie in their eyes, I guess, Halloween. And then, of course beginning in the 80s you have a new one that's pretty much more badass than michael i mean jason doesn't shy away from finding new ways to kill people and then shortly after that you had freddy and then like you said later on you had Ghostface, which it's all coming back full circle i mean granted we didn't get the 40th anniversary of friday the 13th like we were hoping but yeah. you know stuff happens yeah we're getting the series this year is it gonna happen this year on yeah. TikTok finally yeah i know they keep doing the teaser trailers for it yeah it's um uh fall of this year they already it's announced cool. that they just haven't said when exactly in the fall um yeah it, it, it was a huge uh I think you guys know that I have written two scripts um, because for 32 years, you know, before I did that, I was being, you know, so, but why don't you do another one? Why you would love to see you do another one. I know you wanted to do, you know, uh, Jason meets Cheech and Chong and some of these other, you know, funny ideas and stuff. And I said, I, yeah, if I could come up with something that I thought was clever and that the, it would work, I, I would go for it. And just as it looked like the settlement was going to finally occur and that, you know, uh, Mr. Miller was going to get you know, the rights to the title yeah. and to uh, young Jason and uh, the mom and I guess Crystal Lake and Sean was going to get the mass Jason and all that. Suddenly I said, OK, I need to come up with something. And. Uh, like three different ideas all kind of came together for one thing. And I've done, well, if you see the, um, the box set that Scream Factory did, you know, on the series, which is excellent, you guys, if you haven't, you know, got that, that's the definitive one where they talked to us about how to, we wanted the movie to look, the, you know, that maybe it got lost along the way, which it did in terms of the colors and stuff and all the extras that you could possibly want. But on there, there's a, a long interview with me and I'm giving away a lot of information about this movie, Jason Never Dies, that I had written and wanted to put out there. But no one in this town, meaning Los Angeles, would look at a script that was still up in the air about who had the rights. Yeah. So I did a number of podcasts and interviews and things about it and, you know, kind of put it out there that I wanted to, for the first time, you know, it's been talked about on and off over the years about doing a winter setting for, you know, Camp Crystal. Yep. Um, but it never happened. And I don't know what the other ideas were, but I thought 
I want to do a number of things that all could collide. So you would have sort of a dark sense of humor about it, but it's far more intense than my Friday, you know, I'm going to up, you know, the stakes with the kills and also give it uh, an innocence that, um, that the, the victims, potential victims have that mine didn't have, which was, as you know, through mine, it was always like, what if it's Jason out there? Oh, let's play this game where we'll, these are the cabins. And this is, so I was making a joke out of the whole thing. This one is a group that comes into that area having no idea about a Jason Voorhees. I know nothing there. Yep. I thought, okay, first off, it's got to be in snow, but I'm talking about John Carpenter's The Thing Snow. Yeah. It's yeah. socked in. You ain't going no place. And if you try to go someplace, just like The Shining, your footprints are very easy to follow. You know, blood in the snow, all those things that were going to be kind of cool. But I wanted to come up with, you know, sort of interesting things of how he kills and what he does and how he can actually use snow for jump scare things that, you know, nobody's done before. And then I thought, well, what if this is like a freak storm that literally happened, you know, in the week before Thanksgiving. And this was actually a group of high school girls who are badass girls, Catholic high school girls who are drug dealers One's a prostitute, you know, one's, you know, one like it is, I won't go into too much, you know, <laughs> you know them, yeah. but they are all sinners. And mm -hmm. this Irish nun has them to go on a spiritual retreat and they're supposed to go to this other, you know, Catholic spiritual retreat camp that's, you know, was closed down because of the snow. So they end up at Camp Christian Lake, which is directly across from Camp Crystal Lake. Um, and the, the lake is frozen solid, you know? So yeah. I'm gonna give you a chase across Crystal Lake for the first time. And also justify how many times we see in horror movies, the victim running and they keep falling down, you know? And it's like, why are you falling down? But here, if your feet's going like this and Jason's just coming, it's like, yeah. it makes a lot of sense why, you know, you can't, you know, get any traction. Um, and literally set it in 1999. So it's 13 years since I put him down there, you know? Mm -hmm. So I love the idea of like this event happens 13 years later. It's also happening at the turn of the millennium. So uh, you guys are probably too young, but we were all paranoid, like, crazy in 1999 that oh, called me that. young yeah. well wow. seven years old it has nothing to do with the movie but no. it's something that the, the the girls talk about you know are your parents all freaked out over this fucking thing it's like yeah i don't know what the problem is but it adds another air of this is a weird time to have this happen so it's over thanksgiving weekend that they're doing it so guess who's coming to dinner so and it all has that kind of as i said dark comic aspect to it but jason's the only male it's all women you know they all are going to give him a hell of a time you know to try to kill them um then what you know and how they try to get back and he's got once again a whole different kind of agenda that actually connects to my jason lives there was something i set up in jason lives that if i ever got a chance to do a sequel this would be the way i'd want to go with it that for the fans you know, it's like, oh, okay, now I know what that was, that yeah. moment that occurred. So I really wanted more than anything else to make a movie that if 
as I was writing it, I was sitting in a theater watching it on screen going, all right, is this going to get people to go? Yes. You know, and that to me is what it, these things need to be. They need to be like a ride. They need to be something that you got to go see this, man. This is cool. Yep. This is cool. And if you never saw, you know, one before, it would still be a great horror movie for a generation that maybe only saw them on tape or maybe they were overhyped about it. And I was like, yeah, it's okay. You know, who knows? But I wanted it to kind of work, you know, for this time. And as I said, I can't get anybody to look at it. And then finally, when this thing solved, you know, it's like, no, nope, Sean's already doing one. I don't know what he's doing, but I'm going to have to wait if there's any chance. Of course, you know, I won't die until I make this thing. And then I shifted gears, got involved with um, a guy named uh, James Sweet, who directed Jason, Jason Rising, which is a fan film, you know, um, Jason movie, which I thought I've seen some really good ones. And I put this in mm -hmm. a category like Never Hike Alone and Never Hike in the Snow. And by the way, Vincent, you know, when he when I announced I was doing this, he goes, I'm already doing a fan film with snow and stuff. And I go, oh, well, you're going to get there first, pal, because mine is very expensive, you know, because yeah. I want to do the genuine thing. And he was doing it kind of like on weekends. And I thought mm -hmm. he did a great job with it. But of oh, course, yeah. snow doesn't hold. Yeah. So, you know, you come back the next weekend and, you know, what was like maybe this tall is not gone. And so we had to add optical things and, you know, so we could still do that. Um, and he's working on a feature now of kind of putting all that together. But I decided that, you know what, if, if, if basically Victor is going to have the rights for his mother, young Jason and the camp, what could I do with that? And James, when I talked to him to congratulate him on the movie, he said, you know, I've always wanted to do something like where we see the birth of Jason. And I went, yeah, that would be cool. And then that night my head exploded with all these ideas about that whole backstory, you know, where Pamela came from, how Jason was born, what the situation was with the husband, Elias. And a lot, what a lot of people don't think about is that, that Jason was born in 1946 which is just as the war ended, this country was so fucked up after mm -hmm. World War II. Mm -hmm. you know, the women had jobs. They were doing great. Now it's like, hey, back to the kitchen. You're going to be my baby machine. I'm taking my job back. You know, Pamela's out there with a kid who looks pretty damn freaky, and people are either making fun or rejecting him. And she's already a bit, you know, of a, of a head case. Yeah. And it doesn't take long for us to have a mother and son, you know, dynamic there of going out there and trying to just survive where people didn't want to, you know, hire a, a young woman who was had a baby, much less, you know, a deformed one. And the kind of people that they encounter on their way or the next 10 years before they actually reach, you know, Crystal Lake. So. I am in love with this piece behind me, you know, all these cards represent scenes from that. And it's called the, the, uh, uh, in, uh <laughs> the diary of Pamela Voorhees right on my head, because I've been so devastated since the announcement of crystal Lake that I'm going, okay, now what? Um, so that I'm sitting on too with, with James and the other side, two pieces. And basically you know, having had a texting back and forth uh, 
with the showrunner from Hannibal that's doing it. Uh, he said, you know, I don't want to read your thing. I got my own ideas how I want to do this. And we're going to do all the movies all the way through, all the way to outer space and stuff. And, and you know, this is nothing that hasn't been announced already. Yeah. So I'm going, all right, what do I do with this? I don't know. Um, I really think it would please the, the fan base. And maybe he will with what he's doing, yeah. what he's planned, because he's done a hell of a good job on, on Hannibal. And he's certainly, you know, knows the genre and mm -hmm. going to try to do the same as I was doing is really make it, you know, deeper in, in Pamela's background as well. But I don't know if, you know, if it's going to be the same thing, but I just hate to give up after three years of yeah. these, you know, I know. I, I'd like to see that. And I think that would be cool. Both well, of those movies would be. Go, and, go ahead, Mark. And then I'll, I mean, Peter also said, I, well, I think I mean, without flooding the market with uh, Friday the 13th movies, I mean, what, there's only been so many that went in a row that, you know, actually stayed, you know, like, uh, what, four, five, and six, you know, the story stayed sort of the same, you know, you had Tommy in there, and then after that, you know, everything changed. Yeah. I think that it would be perfect to throw your movie in there. In the beginning, because I know that uh, I remember one interview with Victor Miller. He said that he wanted to go back and do stuff with uh, Pamela to make it where, you know, her backstory better and stuff like that, which, OK, you know, if you want to do it that way. Um, but I read the, um, the, the comic books for yeah. um, Pamela's Tales. Yeah, uh, I love those ones. Yeah. Those two were really good. And yeah, it would be great if somebody could do that. Uh, give us a backstory to some degree without, you know, making it where, you know, Jason is, uh, you know, possessed by the devil or whatever. I mean, <laughs> the Necronomicon, like he was. Yeah. In, uh, but Jason, yeah, I, I love the idea that, you know, in vengeance that they, you know, that they came up to you and they asked you permission and stuff and how it all came about because we were talking with peter we talked with uh jason, jason darcy darcy yeah. demoss we talked with yeah. and i mean they all they all love you of course and it was like you know you got him to do this and then you being in the movies too even made it even better because some people you know some people look at this and say okay uh who is elias and most people until what it was like what Jason goes to hell when they first actually announced who Jason's father is. And it was like, well, why didn't they announce him sooner into it? And well, that would give a good reason because they didn't allow you to. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the, I, that made sense to me why he was saying that in, in this one, although I don't think, I mean, the way I planned it, that wasn't going to be the last shot of the of the movie. The last shot was still what you guys saw with his, you know, his in close on his face and his eye just staring at you. You know, and it's like he's down there, but he ain't dead. And yeah. maybe, maybe dad will be instrumental in bringing him up. You know, we don't know. But I to, to immediately jump to the notion that people were going to go, oh, no, the next movie is going to be about him and not Jason. I didn't really think that was going to be the case. And, um, but you know, I'm not the boss. I, you know, that's yeah. 
his, his franchise and things. And he really wanted me to do a sequel. And I said, if I could, I would. I put everything I can think of into that movie. If I could come up with something else, I would. And then he immediately said, would you do one with Jason and Freddie? And I went, whoa, okay. Uh, how are you going to do that? New Line as Freddie. You guys yeah. have to. He goes, I'm working on it with New Line. You know, we're in conversations about it. And I said, yeah, that would be challenging because Freddie exists in a different realm than Jason, as far as I'm concerned. And, you know, Freddie's kind of killable in a certain way. But again, it's it's the dream world and things. And Jason is now kind of unstoppable. So how all that would go down, boy, I'd have to give that some thought. Well, I didn't really get much time because he came back in less than a week and they went, nope, we're not giving up Freddie. We're not merging these guys. And of course, it was many, many years you know, later before that happened. Um, but for all that time, I just didn't have anything that I thought was cool enough for the fan base. And for me as a horror person going, all right, if I'm going to go back again, lay down my money, I want to see something that I know kind of what I'm going to get. But if you can surprise me and if you can twist it some way that you go, okay, that's great. I didn't expect that. And that is, that's the secret, I think, to the, to the sequels. Don't do exactly the same movie again because you walk out going, we've seen this. If you go off and do something else, like, you know, unfortunately, with Halloween, the perception on Halloween was, even though, you know, Tommy Wallace did a you know great job on that movie, people... Mm-hmm. We, we, we don't want this. You know, we can see this any day. We yeah. want, you know, our boy. So, you know, that that's the other side of it. If you're too different, you know, with it, or you go take someplace that's like, come on, you know, that's not great. But for every Friday that had a kind of a weird premise about it, they'll be, you know, freezing the girl's face in, in, in the, you know, <laughs> yep. one of the best kills they've ever done. You I know? thought so too. Now, uh, thinking of, uh, uh, Jason versus Freddy. Uh, you said that, you know, that, that realm, you know, what they did with that movie wasn't, I, I, I liked it. I just didn't care for the ending a whole lot. Yeah. But if you could do one, like say Jason versus um, Michael Myers. Mm-hmm. Now, Are we that one's more that? doable. That one's more doable. Yeah. But that would be like asking the question on who's, uh, who's stronger. Mm-hmm. You know, there's always debates on that one, or you know, Chucky versus what, or would we say, uh, Leprechaun? You know, stuff like that. You know, who's stronger on who? Uh, I always wondered uh, if there was ever talks about Michael and uh, versus Jason. Oh, definitely in the nineties. It, again, it's that same sort of greed thing. Who's mm-hmm. you know, going to go along with it? And of course, in this day and age, you know, they share. You know, Universal and Blumhouse, you know, share these things together. Um, and so it's sort of like, well, who's going to do this part of the world for the rights, and who's going to do you know the California? I'm sorry, uh, the, the the United States, and now streaming. I mean, there's so many mm-hmm. markets these guys, you know, have to to make money off of it's kind of like who gets the biggest piece of the pie but there is i don't know if any of you guys seen it you know uh if you're fans of the fan films rose blood there's uh yeah he did a great job there is peter did an awesome job at that he did and uh sorry to cut you off but uh peter did say uh what is up gentlemen tom i love you buddy miss you and then he said please tell tom hello 
He probably didn't hear you, I think. Thanks. We love you, Peter. Sorry about that. We're I, I was talking too much. I was trying to get you in there, Peter, but that's on me. <laughs> well, I'm talking too much. But what I was what I was trying to explain is the Jason uh, versus Michael Myers. Uh, a couple, because I, I think it was two directors that did this, but they did a Jason and and uh, Michael Myers fight. Like I think I've seen that one. Barn and outside and stuff. Yeah. Kick ass, man. I mean, these guys, they did some stunts, you know, um, and it was like a real slap, you know, smackdown mm-hmm. affair that I thought, you know, I don't know how they're going to res- you know, resolve this. I don't know, because they made them really like the best of the best, you know, in terms of you know what they did to each other. So, you know, I, I'd reach out to those guys and say, hey, let's, you know, let's come up with a story to make that all work, that sequence, because it was a great thing that they that they already did but oh, yeah. you know, they're gonna probably save something like that for if crystal lake goes you know two three seasons and that's a question of do the, you know are the fans gonna love what they're doing with it is yeah. there gonna be a new audience that comes you know when uh, uh james and i started on the uh, diary of pamela franklin, uh, <laughs> pamela franklin. <laughs> it happens um it happens. mine's the first thing to go guys yeah goes um i had not seen bates motel and so i thought you know that's a mother and son thing i gotta see that and even though the situation circumstances were completely different from what we were doing i went how do they make that story go all that time and have people be really huge fans of it and when i sat down and watched it of course i went and got the you know the dvd or blu-ray box with you know all the bells You know, I was loving it, you know, going, this is amazing because these actors were so terrific. And oh, I loved it. It worked great. Yeah, it was a great, great well, series altogether. So it's like, still for that, you know. Yeah. In a way. Have, you had a chance, have you had a chance to watch um, the Chucky series? I only saw the first episode. And then I keep, every time I think about it and I write it down, I get buried in all these yep. papers my desk here and it yeah gets i'm telling you it's worth watching it's really good yeah second I'm season is you, Tom. you know towards the end of the first season it starts to really pick up the first few episodes are a little boring but you know but the second season man they go full force yeah well you know what's going to happen boys like maybe it'll be five years from now maybe sooner who knows but megan and chucky are going to be on that screen together some way, somehow, you know, they're going to put the, you know, the two evil dolls. Yeah. They, uh, they, yeah. Megan, Megan's supposed to be really good too. Oh, from what I've, read. I've not got to see it yet. I'm going, I'm, yeah, I probably I will see it, it but I've been I, told that it's really good. I think we are getting an unrated version too. Mm-hmm. At least yeah. that's what I heard. I, yeah, I don't they, know why they did went with the PG 13 thing. I mean, to me, well, cool. yeah. But, you know, the one thing I got to tell you is, and, you know, Crystal Lake, the series is probably going to be really good. Who knows? But to tell someone that, you know, like you in the, you know, how you helped out the franchise that, you know, hey, I got my own ideas. We don't really need you. That'd be like telling John Blumhouse and all them telling John Carpenter, we know you created this good thing. And you kind of revived it and you want to revive it, but we don't need you. I mean, it's like, it, it, it to me, it's like, why wouldn't you want to sit down with this guy and ask him questions? 
Like if I'm the if I'm the people that are doing Crystal Lake and I know you're reaching out to me, I'm asking you everything. But that's just me because I, I'm a fan. You yeah. know, I want to know. I want to pick your brain. Just like if I was doing a Halloween, I want to pick John Carpenter's brain. I want to be like, okay, what would you do differently than what they did with the trilogy? Because let's be honest, at the end of the day, if John Carpenter hated the films, oh well, it all. Like yeah. he said, as long as he gets the check and, and you know, the money clears, he's he's fine with it. Well, Stephen King hated what Kubrick did to The Shining. Yeah. And top any of us from seeing it and seeing it again and again. Yeah. You know, I love Stephen King's work. I love that I was blessed to get a Stephen King movie, you know, in, in my group of films. Um, and it, it's... It's like, you know, who knows more about the genre than Stephen King? But he had a very particular way that he saw this going. And, you know, Stanley has his way of making movies. And uh, as King said, I can't fault him as a filmmaker. It's just not my shining. And yeah. that, that bothered him. So I wonder, since everything's all settled down, if Stephen King's going to actually write the book that he was talking about, Boy Names, uh, Boy Named Jason? Oh yeah, I I Jason, I think he's calling it. Okay, now I thought it was boy named Jason or something like that. But yeah, yeah, um, yeah it it looks really um, interesting. I would it, definitely read that one. It, it is such a cool idea. I I like all of Stephen King's uh, work. It, it's very hard to translate it, you know, into a film. Mm -hmm. Certain ones translate really well, but a lot of them. Part of it is exactly what he's he's talking about with I Jason. We're going to be inside Jason's head, mm -hmm. hearing his thoughts, what's going on in there, which be fascinating. But do we want to see a movie where we're hearing his thoughts? I don't think so. No, 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 yeah, no, no, no. I, I agree. I agree. The book, no problem. But watching the movie, I would have a problem with that part. Yeah. You know, but now, out of besides Friday the Thirteenth, um, is there any other movie that any other horror? Uh, icon that you would like to write for uh like another type of a horror franchise or whatever yeah. or even make your own franchise up you know i actually have a couple of things that i have been sort of working on on and off over the years and the problem with this business guys just so you know yeah for one i'm older so yeah. i'm hey dude you had your day sit down you know get in the cart swat some balls around you know, let the young guys do the job now. Thank you so much. Then there's guys like me and a number of us, like, you know, Adam, Marcus, and many of them are like, no, we don't want to be out swatting balls. We love this. We go to these things. I mean, I myself am very blessed to have a girlfriend who loves this shit more than me, knows more than me and most filmmakers out there because she spent the 80s as a kid sitting in front of the TV, watching them over and over. She can do lines you know, from every movie. I And when there's a new one, like with Megan, bang, we were there at 6.30 on Thursday, and it was not even opening till Friday because they have, their, you know, advanced screenings to see mm -hmm. that. That's the way it's been for the last six years for me. Um, you know, having somebody who's the, the ultra fan who then after sees the movie goes online, watches every podcast, you know, every spoiler thing, all that stuff, because she's already seen the movie and she wants to be a walking encyclopedia. Yeah. Um, and for the record, the first Friday she saw it was part five. 
and she thought it was great. She saw it very young, you know, in the theater. And of course, that was her introduction, you know, to it. So she still is loyal to it. But then when Six came along, she said, well, yeah, now, of course, and now knowing you, you know, there's no question that, you know, that's my favorite. But it's, it's, it's sometimes, you know, when you see something, if it's your first time seeing something, you know, you, you never know. I mean, they're the, the, the hardcore fans for, I mean, there's people that love the remake, the reboot of Friday better than anything else because they saw it in the theater. They saw it with a bunch of their friends. Everybody was stoned. They had a hell of a great time. And as far as they're concerned, that was an event. You know, yeah. that was great. So it was, it was wrong. You know, it's, I mean, it's, it, it was, that one was good. But it, no, it's not even on the top of my list on that. No, and yeah. and the same thing with a lot of the remakes. I mean, look at a lot of the remakes that didn't work. I mean, some people love Rob Zombie, what he did with Halloween. Granted, yeah. I still think it was they shouldn't have done it. You yeah, just killed like Jamie Lee Curtis. Why don't you bring in the son or bring back the daughter? You know, it's it. There's so many ways they could do this stuff. And like we were saying in the 90s, not only were we originally supposed to get a uh, Jason versus Freddy, we were all supposed to get a Michael versus Jason. And with the way Miramax and all that was, or Dimension at the time, was the Weinsteins didn't want it for whatever reason. Yeah. And it probably came down just to like everything else money it has it has to be that way unfortunately guys because making movies and this is also why streaming is doing so well is covid caused everybody to go indoors at that time and they started basically giving stuff away and i mean in that you know you spend a certain amount for that subscription and you can get all these things and you don't have to go out and a lot of people have become lazy in that regard oh definitely Um, they don't want to go to the theaters anymore and and just like what happened to home or the mom and pop video stores, I always tell people that you, you see them all the time on Facebook or something. They're like, oh, I'm so tired of how much a movie costs in the theater. I, I'd rather watch it on streaming. OK, yeah. that's fine and dandy. But for people like us that want to have that experience in the theater blows anything that streaming does away. Yeah. Yeah. And. I hate to say it, but I think COVID is really destroying the movie theater business. I mean, it already has. Yeah, it has. And uh, now they're trying to figure out, okay, if all those people went and saw Top Gun, you know, and all these people went and saw, you know, Scream, and then some saw it, we could have made more if we didn't do it on that, you know, and Disney, you know, they ended up firing their chief who was behind, you know, putting the, uh, uh, what's the, uh, the Disney movie they had that, the, the one that was uh, the, the Chinese. Mulan? Mulan. Yeah. Uh, Mulan, you know, they now regretted that they did it that way because they would have had a much bigger movie as a. As a well, that's just like right. Warner Brothers now, you yeah. know, with cancel bringing back Henry Cavill only to say, no, we don't need you anymore. And, you know, it, it's sad because he left The Witcher because they didn't want to follow the source material anymore. Yeah. And it's just like, yeah, he's already got a new show, anyways. Oh, does he know? <laughs> yeah. What is I, it? I I don't know what it is, but it, he's got a new one. I all I know is this year is going to be 
I looked at all the movies coming out this year, and it's just like, oh my god, I am not going to have a a month off. Because <laughs> you have Fast 10, which I'm surprised they're still making them. And then you have... God, what else do we have? Another Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie, which I never knew was coming back. No, I'm not even going to watch that one. Scream, which damn well I'm going to see that one. Um, you have Flash. Evil Dead. You have Evil Dead's making another Batman, one. You have, I mean, you can go list a lot. But they also have in October, I believe it's on the 13th, they have it blocked off for a special uh, a special movie. And it actually has right there a future Halloween movie. Or, yeah, future Friday movie. It says. I was about to say, they, they were Halloween, I'm sorry, the I rumors am. for that, a new Halloween movie that supposedly was supposed to come out in five years. They've already said that ain't happening. Yeah, well, Which I think after the trilogy, you kind of got to let, you got to let Michael rest a little bit so that yeah. it gets out of, because I, I love the first two in the trilogy. And I even told Mark and I told my wife, who uh, I'm glad that she's still married to me after, you know, I brought her to Halloween Ends. But, you know, uh, I said that Halloween Ends was going to be kind of like what happened with the original Star Wars. You had the second Star Wars movie, which was the best. And then you had the Return of the Jedi with three. And it kind of didn't. It was still a good movie, but it really didn't touch what the second one did. And with Kills, I mean, after Kills, it's just like, well, what else are you going to be able to do? And then, of course, they make him into a hobo, and it's just like, oh, my God. <laughs> How John Carpenter can sit there and be like, oh, yeah, I was happy with it. I loved it. It's just like, no, no. I I'm sure if they would have asked you to do Halloween Ends, you could have made it better. Well, I'm not going to say yes, but I certainly would have made it very different because I felt there was a lot of things that sort of changed the rules that were established along the way. You know, I got, you know, I kept thinking if Jamie could kill him that easy at the end of all this. Yeah. What happened? You know, what happened? Yeah. Evil dies tonight because that was telling us. Was, oh, my God. That's the worst scene that they ever put in a movie. Evil dies tonight. Like I said, you know, Dave and Gordon Green, for what they gave us in Halloween Kills, if you took a little bit out of there, and even if you brought Corey in a lot sooner in the franchise before ends, I think the Corey character would have been more well-received. That being said, they were trying to do like what the... And I said this to you, remember that, Mark? I said, you watch. This will kind of be like Season of the Witch, in a way. They're yeah. going try where they're and they never did it before but they're gonna try and have someone else be michael and what happened it didn't work yeah. which everyone was saying there's people on message boards before even halloween ends was even in pre-production saying you watch they'll try and pull a friday the 13th in this and they they really did they took michael out of the equation and now with whatever Jamie Lee Curtis and them had at the end of that movie, where it's like Michael's now dead, but the shape can go into anyone. Are they bringing back Michael or is it just going to be Halloween where every other movie is going to have a new person as a shape? Yeah. And that's the scary thing about 
what happened. Now, granted, Blumhouse don't have the rights to that anymore, so whoever gets it next can just be like, you know what? That trilogy was a big pile of shit. Forget about that. We're going back to the basics. I mean, that's like, I I just, to me, I don't know how Carpenter could have signed off on ends. I mean, must have been a six-pack or something involved, like how he got the brother and sister angle out of that shit. Yeah. Well, but yeah, I, I don't know how they killed him that easy either. As I told so many times, people when they go, well, how do you how do you explain that Jason, you know, pops up in the water at the end of the first one, and then the next one, you know, you, you know, you see, uh, you see, she's back, you know, the the, the final girl, our our our, our you know, wonderful. Yeah. Tina. Adrian King. Adrian. Uh, I don't know why I said going Tina. Oh, same same thing, brain fart. Um, so now he's like grown up and that sort of justifies, oh, he saw his mother decapitated. So he's there, but she looks like it's been a day, you know, since they're back, but mm-hmm. I guess there was a certain amount of time, but certainly not enough to take a six-year-old, seven-year-old, 10-year-old boy, whatever he was supposed to be in that one and grow him up. And the answer is very simple. The Paramount went, okay, we can't have this be about a killer boy. It's got to be Michael Myers. So we got to just, you know, drop that idea. If you want to think it was a dream, whatever you wanted to do with it, just we're we're moving on. And there was no rhyme or reason about it other than that arbitrary decision. And people tried so hard to put some logic to it and that would have that would explained how he stayed out for so long is if they would have put um Elias into it in earlier into the series. Mm-hmm. Well, and yeah. that would have said, okay, he's the one that raised Michael the rest of the way up and then Jason just, or Jason. Why do I keep saying Michael? I don't know. Um but yeah it would have made it so much better. I'm gonna get you're gonna get so much hate mail for that Mark. Yes. <laughs> That's okay. Yeah, it's, I, I always look at, I try very hard to make things, uh, there's two ways I look at these movies, you know, there's movie logic, and then there's real logic, mm-hmm. and there's times where you go, oh, wait a minute, they can't do that and walk away from that, or, you know, or riddle somebody up with bullets, yet they still get up and, you know, kill the, 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 the yeah. villain at the end and stuff, and you're going, okay, that's movie logic, you got to just buy that. And then there's those things that come along and you go, oh, wait a minute. She was on this side of town. And now how the hell did she get there that fast? I mean, that, you know, and that'll bother the shit out of certain people. I'll tell you, when you know, Halloween ends ended, all I did during the rolling of the credits go, OK, what's going to be the twist that's going to be uh, allowed to bring him back? Yeah, we saw him get all, you know, crunched up like ground up meat. Yeah. But how do we know that was Michael? You know, they had yeah. They'll they'll find some way to do you know, it. What if what if that was the body of that you know Tommy? You know the, the yeah. asshole uh, kid. You know, I don't know he wasn't a kid anymore, but uh, what's his name? Uh, Anthony Michael Hall. You know, what if that's what was getting ground up? And somehow we see a scene where there was just enough time to do a switcheroo with yeah. somebody who was you know on the side of of Michael. Of course, he's going to be. I don't know how old at this point, you know, uh, you know, I'm still swinging at 72. So I'm looking at, you know, so many of these other, I mean, 
Francis Ford Coppola is making a movie. He's at 82 right mm-hmm. now. So I'm going, I ain't going nowhere until I'm 100. I already have the crypt. already got the plans for the post <laughs> end of my, after my life. Um, so as far as I'm concerned, you know, I'm going to keep coming up with stuff. And I think the same way, why can't he, that Michael just have that good back to that idea that he's got so much rage in there and they got to go to some retirement home someplace yeah. where, you know, there, there she is, you know, our girl and they're going for advice, you know, yeah. is this possible? Was there any time when there was a, some where that might not have been, you know, Michael, Jamie, you know, uh, yeah. and they'll, they, they'll come up with something, you know, that will, will buy and at least go once. Yeah. And say what, all right, what the fuck are they going to do? You know, we got to, we got to find out. We can be mad about it, but by that point, they'll have our $50, which will probably be what a movie will cost by that point. Probably. Here in LA, man, they're getting, they're getting 30 bucks. You know? Oh yeah, I bet. It's, oh, Alyssa, how much was it to go see Halloween ends in theaters? Probably 20 bucks. It was, it, uh, well, it was like 20 bucks oh, you found someone. Yeah. Yeah, I, I paid twenty four for me and my daughter. Yeah. Well, like the first movie that I ever went to see that came out at midnight was 2018's Halloween. I told my wife, I'm like, I know we got work in the morning, but I said I will call off. I need to do this. I need to I needed to see it. And you know, everyone can say, Oh, well, you know, the next day you could have went the next day and you would have gotten the same thing. It's like, no, you want to be there yeah. that night to see i mean i i missed out on watching a lot of the great horror movies of the 70s and it's just like horror movies now you know the fan films are pretty much better than what we're getting with unless you look at megan which megan being a new thing just based off of kind of the chucky thing and all that or even the leprechaun and all that it that's what we're missing is that, you know, we can have new stuff, but at the same time, and honestly, if the next Halloween comes back and they make Michael in a nursing home, you might as well end the movie then. I I think what they should do is just bring him back to where he, you don't have to give him an age anymore. Just make him be like what Loomis always told us in the first one. Purely, simply evil. Don't give them a motive like they did later in Halloween 2, which they never needed to, because it's like, okay, why is he going after Lori? Because she was the only one to escape. Yeah. He killed Annie. He killed, you know, Linda. Killed Bob. And finally, this one woman who keeps dropping the knife, and he's choking her and all that, and she got away. Yeah. Loomis came to the rescue. He got shot six times. And that is one of the scariest things. Like, I remember being six watching that. And then Loomis looks and he's gone. Yeah. To me, like you were saying, there's movie logic and then there's real life. Yeah. But at the same time, Donald Pleasant, they could have ruined that. Yeah. Because Donald Pleasance is like, okay, I can do one take where, oh, I know he's gone. Or, oh my god, he's gone. Oh my, oh my god, he's gone. One out. Thank god. Yeah. I mean, there's even something on YouTube, and I don't know if you've seen this yet, Tom, but there's a... I don't know where they unearthed this, 
or how they unearthed this, but they actually show that scene where Michael's on the ground, but he gets up and runs away. Just dead bolts away. Really? Yeah. And if you haven't seen that, I'll I'll send it to you. Please. I'll, it's, I've it's, never even heard that they did that and then just said all that. Yeah, send that to me too. I know we talked I about that, but I don't... I haven't looked. They unearthed it, and John Carpenter. People are asking John Carpenter to put it in, like as an alternate ending or something, because it's it. And there's no sound or anything to it. You just see him get up, and he's gone. Which to me, it's like I don't know if it would have worked for Michael because he's walking the whole time. Granted, when he's getting towards Lori, you see him kind of pick up the pace a little bit, but he's not running towards her. Yeah. And that's what adds the suspense of he's walking. He's well, going to get you. He doesn't need to hurry up. He's going to he's going to honor I, that kill. I guess Stephen the thing I I would want to know though if we if we see him down there and then suddenly he gets up and runs is that something where they were having the cameras just kept rolling and probably castle you know, had like, you know, diarrhea or something and it's like <laughs> how long are you going to hold on this shot? It's like you can get up when you want, and he gets up and he runs, you know, to the porta potty, yeah. and that's what they got. I can't imagine. Well, that's what a lot of that's it scary. came out on Twitter. It came out on Twitter once whoever found this, and I I don't know if it was Carpenter or someone unearthed it. Whoever unearthed it, it was weird. Granted, I mean, like I said, no sound to it, so it was probably like you said, camera was still rolling. But yeah, I will get that to you guys because you have to see it. And you're sure you're absolutely sure it wasn't some sort of like Photoshop fan created this off of the footage and then recreated somebody in the outfit and made it appear that that if they know. did, they made it look really good because it, it looks just it, like the movie itself. I'd be, uh, I want to see that. <clears throat> yeah, I'll, I'll send it to you guys after that. I love, I love when people do these, you know, these face things that they can do now and you're going, holy shit. That, that that's scary, you know, how good they can be. And I was actually, you know, I did not want to like Avatar, the new one, you know, Way of Water, um, because I, I was so kind of, I was blown away by the first one in terms of technically, but I didn't give a shit about anybody in there. And I was just watching the technical. So I kind of went as like a, you know, cinema person and going, the man spent three years on this. He's got other ones that he's basically, you know, rolling and i sat there going you know i i want to hate it i can't they did so much great work now that you facially felt that it was so much more human than it was this you know alien and and they really played up sequences that were just very fun the you know the learning out you know how to work in the water with those creatures and things that really weren't even story they were just you know little like episodes within it and yet it still was grounded in family and caring and brothers and loss of a brother. You know, so many elements that were just true as Titanic was to a classic love story, you know, and, and human story. So no wonder it's making all this money because people are going, yeah, it actually, you know, delivers what I like a movie to deliver. So I don't know how many people hate it or for what reasons, but I have to say I, I sat there going and I saw it in 4D, by the way. So it was 3D. IMAX and the seats were going and when things flew, you know, you were 
You were in this. Oh, that'd be cool. Seat so many times because they're so rough on those 4D movies now. <laughs> you literally, you know, then they get into fights and stuff. You're getting knocked all over the place. So it, it was a ride, you know, more than a movie. Um, I know that, you know, you have a, a special place in your heart for uh, Friday the 13th, but for the one that you did. But if if you weren't able to have done that movie, what other movie would you have done? Would you have taken a shot at Halloween? Would you have taken a shot at like Friday the 13th or Texas Chainsaw or Chucky or um, God, what's another horror movie in the 80s? My Bloody Valentine. I'll just throw that one out. Okay. Um, I took on something that everybody that I knew said, oh, so you're willing to have your career die right now by doing this. And I said, you know, as crazy as I am, and as much as I love what the original was, and still to this day, will stand forever and say, this is the most intense horror movie I ever experienced, The Exorcist. And mm-hmm. I was First week when it came out, I saw people passing out, you know, grown men fainting during the, you know, the the uh, bone marrow section, saw people throwing up, saw ambulances out front, saw William Peter Blatty and William Friedkin passing out coffee, you know, the lines, the event, people going back to church. It was an event that I, I, I spent so much of my life studying that movie. What did they do? How did that work and stuff? I got hired by Warner Brothers and Morgan Creek to do the prequel to The Exorcist. I was on it two years. And it was like, you know, there was some promise in the script, but there was a lot that was wrong. And they spent like a million dollars on these two top writers to do it. But it just didn't work. And I said, we if we can get the right writer you know, and do this thing in a way that I, I'm not going to try to top The Exorcist, but I can certainly top the second one and hopefully get close to the third one that William Peter Blatty did because I thought there were some incredible scary sequences. And oh, that I, was a good one too. I'm not going to say yes until I meet with William Peter Blatty. And the, you know James Robinson, who runs Morgan Creek, says, no way. He hates we're doing this. He hates the fact that we made him do an exorcist scene in part three, because he wrote it and they shot it with no exorcist. There was no Nicole Williamson at the end of that. And some secretary said, why is there no exorcism in an exorcist movie? So they went back to, to, to Blatty and said, you're going to have to do this. And he says, fuck no. Uh-uh. You know, it's like, well, we'll get somebody else and turned into a big rigmarole. And so he shot that. So he hates Warner Brothers and all that. And, he, you know, you're he's not going to meet with you. And I insisted and somehow he said you know okay the meeting may be five minutes well it turned out to be lunch and an entire afternoon we got along incredibly going up to his house you know he said you know my house is in the shape of a cross i said what he goes yeah if you have a helicopter overhead you will see this in the shape of a cross he's you know and I said, so do you believe in all this he goes i believe in a lot of stuff and um i you know, I cover the bases, you know, making sure nothing's going to happen to me or my family. But, you know, we got along great. Everything I told him I wanted to do with the movie, no CGI effects. We're going to go back, you know, to the basics. It's going to be about religion and it's going to be about Father Marin's first encounter with the demon 
you know, in Africa, in a church, uh, you know, like a, a satanic church that a real church was built on top of. But when they were ex- excavating, they found this demonic church. All of these things, I thought, you know what, I can go in the style of like The Godfather or one of the movies that I look at as a you know landmark of cinema and mood and feeling and period and, you know, make this really scary and really show how this could have been the end of Father Marin and things. So before I left uh, his house, you know, he gave me a tape of an actual exorcism in Italy that actually had the voice that you hear in the movie that, and it was a little girl, you know, in this thing. Um, And he said, look, I'm going to make you a promise, Tom. If you do this movie and if I see it and I hate it, I'm going to go on every talk show and tell them what a piece of shit the movie is and how horrible you are. And I said, my hand to God, Peter, and you know, we're talking about the same God here, the Catholic God. I will not make this movie if I don't think I can come somewhat close to yours. And that's it. And two years later, after we'd scouted locations, we, you know, found the the little boy that was going to actually be this, you know, deformed child that once the demon goes into him, he's beautiful and he's as smart as Hannibal Lecter and clever and, you know, all this stuff. The script that came in, it was like my dinner with Satan. It was all this talk and shit. And I said, you know, this is not it. And so they said, what, you're walking away from this movie? And I said, yeah, I promised William Peter Blatty I would not do it. And the interesting thing is, you know, I had to sign a gag order saying that anything in here that I contributed, I don't get any money for. Then the movie has to make X amount, you know, in America before I get any kind of real payday on the thing and stuff. They ended up hiring John Frankenheimer to direct it, who was my director when I did Prophecy. I was the mutated bear because of my mind training in the movie Prophecy. So I, you know, obviously knew what it was like to work with Frankenheimer and knew how strong a personality he was. He was on the movie for a year. He went into a hospital for a normal procedure and died. Now it was like, now they needed a director again. Somehow the script came back to me. I looked at it going, really curious to see what John did. He didn't change it at all. Not a word. It was the exact same script. I go, no, I'm still not going to do it. It's terrible. So they ended up, you know, hiring uh, Paul Schrader. And I thought, okay, Schrader, taxi driver. He's a Calvinist. He's got religion deep in him. He's going to do something interesting with this thing. He shot that script. He turned in his director's cut. You know, Mr. Robinson and the Warner Brothers people saw the movie, fired him, brought in Rennie Harlan, said, we need some effect scenes. We need some stuff, you know, in this. Rennie decides to remake the entire movie, same cast and things, you know, put Schrader's aside and made his own version. So this movie I was going to do for like 18 million, which is, you know, fairly cheap, but I've been doing a lot of, you know, I've done like 42 films now. I knew enough about where to save money and where to put the money. And they did, they made two of these movies for 40 million each. So 80 million, you know, that spent on these two things that didn't work at all. So had I done it and had it not worked, that would have been for me, the franchise of all time, stick my head in and get it chopped off. But that was one that I thought if I can make it smart and have it have some class and have people go, well, it's not the original, but, you know, 
for a prequel, yeah, it was, it was good. That was my whole objective, was yeah. try to make it real. And the one last thing I'll say about this is that when I was researching this, I still have volumes of books on demonology, on exorcisms, on priests, on interviews with, you know, occult scientist people, all this stuff. And when I was doing all that, I had a, you know, like a sense of dread that I was living with that I was not doing something I should. Yeah. Something happened. And when I walked away, it was like this cloud, you know, and I wasn't expecting that. I mean, I fucked around with a lot of horror stuff in my life. I've had a lot of paranormal experiences in my life, starting from when I was a teenager. Uh, a lot of them available on YouTube, if you look that up, guys. But that was weird because I was going into something that was, you know, kind of that dark and kind of frightening, especially for, you know, an ex-alter boy that I was. Well, I mean, even with the omen, you know, with what happened on the set of that, you know, and some of the stuff that can't be explained, but yet some people mm -hmm. say, oh, well, you know, that's just them drumming up publicity. You know, the same thing happened with The Exorcist. I mean, the first movie, uh, the mother hurt her back really bad when she got thrown up against the dresser, I think, wasn't it? Yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah, but that was that was freaking doing something really shitty to Ellen Burstyn. Um, didn't like that the effects people who have had a cord on her from behind and they, you know, yanked her and they you know, and he's going, This is bullshit, this is so pussy, nah. you know, yanker boys, you know, and she kind of looks at him and goes, um, you know, and again, she's a professional, so she trusted it wasn't gonna be that bad, but they fucking whipped her and yeah, yeah. still to this day she's got pain in her lower back from the injury that that happened, but he did freaking push people into really weird areas and did a lot of tricks to make actors react certain ways and stuff. At the end of the day, the movie is a horror masterpiece, no question. But I always question doing things to actors because you don't like what they're doing with their acting, and we're going to make you really feel something, and you're going to react to something, you know, that's real. And I just, to me, you know. It's a movie, you know, it, it's about artifice. And if you have to do a different kind of a shot or something, you do that. You don't hurt people in the process. Um, and I'm sure he would agree that now. But at the time, it was all sort of like you do what you got to do, you know, to scare people. You said that your um, girlfriend's a, a horror buff and stuff. She likes to know. Have you guys watched Terrifier? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Did you go to the yeah. theater to see two? Sorry? Did you go to the did you go to the theater to see part two? No, it it disappeared here faster than I could get to the th to a theater. It didn't have like a decent release at all. Or yeah, you know. yeah. I watched that. And I watched that. Uh, uh, I watched Terrifier two a couple times, um, and then I got to actually meet uh, David, and um, I also got to meet uh, uh, Damien too, the director. Uh, the uh, two nice guys right there but i mean just alone having somebody again just his facial expressions without talking you know there it was like wow you know there's another one that scared the shit out of me yeah with just just a smile on his face yeah it's a definitive you know evil clown movie because killer clowns from outer space is more of a romp you know they they cartoon characters and and it's fun and in one of my bands, you know, I do that, the song with the band, you know, Killer Clowns from Outer Space. We do all like horror, you know, movies 
that have horror songs in it that are also great songs. So, you know, it, it's called horror rocks. And it, it, to me, you know, that's like one of my favorite songs to do is, you know, but that's kind of as sort of the tone, you know, of that movie, you know, as a lot of those kind of, you know, we're here to have fun, but terrifier, you know, the first one, you know, when I saw that, I went, Whoa, <laughs> this is intense. Cause it was like normal locations, like coming out of a donut shop or something. And he's following these girls and you're going, this isn't good. And, you know, and I, you know, I've done, I've been a clown myself. My father was a clown and a magician and a, for, a, a fire eater. Um, so I grew up with a freak dad, you know, and so I went into it at one point, you know, to make money, to, you know, it was a way to pay for my movies when I was a kid to do magic shows and shit. And I never looked at clowns as being that terrifying, but for a lot of people, they are, you know, there's that thing. And Boy, if you get around chimpanzees, monkeys, or whatever with the clown face, they go nuts. I mean, they will tear that face off of you. It, it just really freaks them out. That's um, good to know. Yeah, <laughs> don't put your yeah, don't put your makeup on in front of the monkeys, guys. Yeah, um, my sister, my sister but, Jamie, she's scared to death of clowns. So I send her a picture at least every other day of a clown. Yeah. I'm mean, but that's yeah, that's a definitive one. But there, you know, I've. I have to say, and then I got to go here because I'm right. on so many things I needed to get done today. But um, the new, some of the new films that have come out this past year um, have been to me really good. And actually, I could see the audience shutting up and watching. Um, you know, which is great. You know, like X, and then Pearl. I, you know, and I actually like. Oh Pearl yeah, and really watch both them to the next one. Um, and the, uh, oh, what's it called? Just right out of my head, uh, where they're in the motel and they go underground. Um, vacancy? Yes. No, not vacancy. No. no. Uh, oh, Barbarian? Barbarian, right. Oh, okay. And that again, brilliantly done. First, Brilliantly time, done, yes, but I, I was not a, I, I don't know, just the ending, I think, really. Yeah. Know. I, I'll give you that for sure. The ending was not what it should have been. I think they just kind of ran out of ideas. But in terms of executing an old school horror movie that wasn't right. you know, on a, a franchise basis, I, I thought that was particularly good. And Smile. Um, I don't know if you guys have seen Smile. I've but not seen it. My daughter did, and she told me that I need to see it. Because yeah. She said that I'd probably end up liking it. I'm like, well, that's on my list of uh, horror movies to watch. But I have a, as I said, this is the last thing I want to talk about, but I, you know, I teach film at Chapman University in, in Orange County and I teach, you know, producing, directing, writing, the, the whole thing. So that many of the classes starts with what is the idea for the short film you want to make. And at the end, it's screened on the big screen with great sound in their theater there um, for a student audience. And it turns out that like 11 years ago, um, Finn, Ar Parker Finn, who, who wrote and directed Smile, was a student. And my son actually was a, was a screenplay uh, student there at that same time as well. You know, my son's been doing basically AD work and things for years and has worked on pretty much everything you can think of that has been, you know, mainstream big films and things. And Parker graduated and took a couple of shitty jobs, kept writing and stuff. And finally, you know, he, he made this short film about that. And if you can check out the short film, which I think is 
I think it's on YouTube or Venmo or one of the uh, Vimeo, uh, one of those things. And he was going to put it into a festival. COVID hit. Festival didn't happen. He went, oh, shit. So he put it on, you know, uh, um, online. Somebody saw it and commissioned him to write a full screenplay for that. You know, he had not directed anything yet. And he ended up doing this thing. They, they, the short, they actually shot at my school um, in, in the sound stages there. This, they got a decent budget, you know, uh, got Kevin Bacon and Kira Sedwick's uh, daughter to you know, be the lead in it and things. They screened it just, and it was gonna be a Paramount Plus streaming movie, but they screened it for some people and people went nuts. So the president of Paramount go, screen it again, screen it again. And it just kept coming up, you know, people loved it. So when he came to our school and screened it for the student body, and of course I was there, I had to see if this guy has any talent or anything. And these kids, you know, and they're like 18, 19, 20 year olds were jumping out of their seats where, I mean, he did jump scares like Good, good old days of, you know, knowing exactly when to hit to make that jump scare work. The teaser for the movie was in front of Top Gun. So it had amazing amount of publicity. Plus they had somebody in the stands at baseball games behind home plate going. Yep. Yes, that is true. Of all that, it went through the roof. So of course he's going to be doing another one and that's, you know, smile is going to be one of the new franchises. But it's a very, very simple, basic premise of somebody that just keeps smiling yeah. at you. And from there, you know, the, you know, the sky's the limit where this can go. So if you guys are filmmakers, just keep looking for that that idea, you know, and I would budget and then see if you can get somebody interested. Because I was born in the wrong decade. Um I, I was going to ask this before you did go. Um, were you ever a fan of like the Canadian horror film films that were coming out in like the eighties and uh, wasn't black Christmas, a Canadian one too. Yeah. 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 Same, same, same man who did, you know, uh, a Christmas story and Porky's, you know, he, he doesn't get enough credit for this man, genre and was terribly successful at everyone that he did. And then he died in a car accident with his son and the way he went. But that, you know, I that was really like one of the first real kind of slasher in your house kind of character that that, you know, was, you know, we really didn't know. But the, the whole idea of the girls and what Halloween was, the babysitter murders. And that's yeah. all that it was going to be. And this was the shape. No, no name, no reason. You know, th that just happened. Yeah. But it all gets back to Psycho, you know. Yeah. I saw it in the right. theater. I was like twelve, and that also was freaking out people because they never saw anything that intense. And for Janet Lee, a huge star at that time, to suddenly be dead after the first, you know, half hour, it's like, holy shit, you know. Well, and that's like the Drew or Drew Carey, Drew Barrymore scene in the beginning of Scream. Yeah. I mean, you know, she said she's on the she's on the face of the poster she's front and center but yet she wanted to die right away yeah. i mean not many big name actors would be able to say hey you know kill me off in the first five minutes of your film yeah um i'm always willing to have somebody kill me <laughs> in the movies. not really i told peter anthony i was like hey 
any next movie or even with you, Tom, any next movie, you need someone that you got to throw through a glass window or something. I'm your man. I'll do it. You don't even have to pay me. I got, I got your number. I'll come after you. Yeah. yeah. Um, You've seen American werewolf in London. There's a scene where our swings and there's a man that goes to a plate glass window and that's John Landis. You know, he, he, he had to do the gag. Yeah. Um, well, thank you guys so much. It's been very enjoyable to, you know, spend some time talking horror with you. And I, I thank you out thank there you. In, in the dark, um, you know, got some benefit. And I, I'll always, always share this one thing. Don't give up your dreams. You never know when it's going to happen. If you love this stuff, just keep it, you know, that, that, like the brass ring out there and I'll do whatever else I got to do. But one day I got to get that done. And I can say that even though I sort of lucked into getting Friday the 13th. But when I became 60, I my rock and roll band career came back. What I was doing at 16, mm-hmm. opening the doors and Iron Butterfly and Pink Floyd and all those things. And that's what I wanted to do. It took till I was 60 before I finally got that dream fulfilled, touring, having an album, having music videos. So it's proof that if you just don't give it up, it'll eventually yeah. catch up with you. So hang in there, guys. Thank you so very much, Tom. Uh, My pleasure. We we gotta have you back on the show one day down the road again. Uh, there's a couple of questions I wasn't able to ask you, but uh, that would be for another episode. Or I can just easily message you and be like, "Hey, Tom, you know, uh, do you think less is more? Or do you think uh, having people run around going to mock in a horror movie is better? You know?" So uh, and answer that real quick. Less is more. Yeah. And not not as less as we got on the uh, uh, Halloween kills because keeping Jamie in that hospital room that was a bad choice because we wanted to see her out there and of course they were saving it for the next one I understood the reason but it just bothered the hell out of me that you know that's the person you want to yeah. see out there you know not her family so right. but that's one that was funny things. how they 2018. <laughs> Build it as the last time and they still survived it's like come on <laughs> it's like you could have killed jamie lee curtis and been done with it but you know again thank you so very much tom uh big fan of yours uh mark's a big fan of yours too um thank you for turning uh friday the 13th back into what it should have been in part five but with part six uh we wish you could have gotten to do seven Hopefully one day uh, someone in Hollywood will smarten up and be like, hey, we need to get them back. So, uh, you know, I've got I've got the scripts if I just need somebody to go. You're the guy. So, you know, that's part of you know my my extended dream here to go go back and do it again. All right, Tom. Well, thank you so very much. We will thank talk you. to you later, bro. Thank you. Thank you. You have a good night. Well, everyone, that was the episode that we promised you, the interview that was, I I would say, probably one of my favorites. I mean, we did talk a lot about Friday the 13th, which I'm sorry about that, but I wanted to get to know more about his process of bringing Jason back, and I, I think it would be a disservice if me and Mark didn't ask. So, you know, um, and also, you can catch this on Spotify, you can catch this on YouTube. Um, also, check out a lot of the other podcasts and part of the uh, Deluxe Edition Network. Uh, in f- January, all of our podcasts um, 
in the network are the podcasts of the month. But since I did 10 cent beer night podcast, we want to do return of living flat for this show. Um, go check out Kyle, go check out the rest of the guys. Uh, they really, really do care about what they're doing. I know some people will be like, Oh, they're just sitting in front of a thing, talking to people and blah, blah, blah. We love to put a lot of work into this and any podcaster can tell you that we do this because we love it. Well, some of them, but ultimately we're all doing this because we love it. Um, Mark, you got anything you want to say? Nope. <laughs> man of a man, a few words. Um, but yeah, we've been, doing, we are, we've been doing most of the talking this so far, so I'll let you keep talking. Sorry about that. No, um, you can tell that you were nervous. You but know. you know, uh, well, I was nervous because we get to talk to a guy that brought back a franchise that could have been killed off. I mean, look at Halloween three, they could have said, well, we don't want to make any more anymore. And that would have been it. Granted, it probably would have saved us a lot of heartache and what the other movies would later become. But, you know, hey. right. But can't complain. I like yep. I like most of them. So and, you know, uh, anyone that's listening, you know, Tommy still has a lot of great ideas. Hire the guy. I mean, you know what? What's going to happen? You know, he's going to make you a great movie. He'll do his research. He'll do his due diligence. And it'll make you a damn good movie. Same with it Peter sounds Anthony. Like a great idea. Sounds oh, like he has a few great ideas for movies. Same with Peter Anthony. Same with Jason Brooks. Same with the guys that did Never Hike Alone, uh, Never Hike in the Snow, uh, Slash and Cast when you they did going. their. Uh, yeah, you can keep going down the line. Blood for Slash and yep. Cast. You could keep going with the fan films for any of them, but right now, it's a good time. Yep. Um, and also next Tuesday, we will have, uh, Thomas, I can't say your last name. I'll, I'll, I'll probably get it one day, but we're going to have another guest from one of the podcasts in the network. Um, on the show, we're going to be talking about wrestling, big wrestling news, big talking, you know, just like we do now. So, uh, Remember to like, subscribe, and comment as it really does help out this channel. And hit that notification icon so that you never miss a live stream or anything that we do. Um, we love the support that you all give us. We can't, we couldn't have done it without y'all. And our amazing team behind us with Deluxe Edition Network and our team here at the Stephen Jarvis and Friends podcast featuring Mark Benset Jr., so uh, tell then, guys, thank you and goodbye.